Chart Chat is a member of the Teej.fm network from WTJU. To learn more, visit Teej.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Hello, everybody. It's Monday, June 24th, 2019. I'm Caitlin Flay. And I'm Tanner Green. And you are listening to Chart Chat, your weekly guide to the past week of pop singles hitting the U.S. and U.K. charts. Tanner, what goes on? There's not a whole lot that's going on, but, you know, it's summer. It's June. That's really all there is to it. I'm working, earning the money. How about you? That's so impressive. I'm doing the opposite. I'm enjoying summer vacation and I am about to leave the country. So Tanner will probably be throwing a solo episode your way next week. So look out for that. But in the meantime, let's chat about these UK chart entries. At number 69 last week, we had Camel Fat and Jake Bug with the song Be Someone. At 66, we had Tyga featuring Jay Balvin and Chris Brown with Hot only Human by the Joe Bros debuted at 64. And our last entry in the 60s at 61, we had BTS and Charlie XCX with the song Dream Glow. That one was pretty good. I liked it. Another one that I liked a lot, Gucci Demon by B. Young. That was at 49 last week. At 39, we had kind of a messy Mostak and Fredo collaboration. That was I'm the One. Strike a Pose. That was Young T and Bugsy featuring H. Debuted at 30. At 22, we had a fossil Liam Gallagher with Shockwave. At number 20, we had Avicii with the song Heaven. Mostak featuring Dave and Jay Huss, some of our favorites, debuted at 19 with the song Stinkin' Rich. Mad Love by Mabel debuted just above that at 18. And we have a top 10 entry this week. That's number 8, Chris Brown featuring Drake with No Guidance. Kind of surprised that one didn't go higher. But Tanner, what do you got on your side? Well, that track certainly shows up, but first we're going to start down at number 100. I apologize for the pronunciation. That's Sech, or Sech, featuring Daryl with their song Otro Trago. A couple of future tracks at number 99 and number 98. That's Government Official and Xanax Damage. Number 93, there's Only Human by Jonas Brothers. Right above that at number 92, there's Ozuna with his song Amor Genuino. Genuino. Again, apologies. Back to Future at number 87 with his song Please Tell Me. Got a song from Avicii's posthumous album. This one's called Heaven and it debuts at number 83. And then we jump up to number 69 where Bad Bunny and Taney debut with Kayaita? Kayaita? Something like that. At number 66, we've got Blanco Brown with The Get Up. Number 62, got another country track, Luke Combs with Even Though I'm Leaving. And then we are pole vaulting up to the top 10, number 9, where the aforementioned Chris Brown featuring Drake debut with no guidance. Caitlin, I think we both agree that this was a pretty good week overall. What are you going with? It was a fantastic week. Fantastic week. So I am going to kick things off. Movie trailer voice. In a world where the Jonas Brothers think they can make reggae.
All right, guys, the song you just heard comes from the Jonas Brothers' new album. I'm sure you've all heard of it by now, Happiness Begins. Listeners also might recall that Tanner did an excellent job talking about a couple singles from the album a couple weeks ago. If you missed that, definitely go back in the archives and check it out. What a wild, wild turn when you reflect upon bops such as Year 3000 and Love Bug. It's so different. It reminds me a little bit of the discussion we had last week about Miley Cyrus kind of doing whatever she wants and how that's okay. And then another parallel with the Miley track, or tracks, is that Only Human isn't really an isolated reggae-influenced track on Happiness Begins. Is it, Tanner? No. Mr. Misdemeanor Call me up and say you need my love Now you say you leave it So my question to you all, and something that we're going to try to answer here today, is how and why the Jonas Brothers are dabbling in reggae. And I think there's two kind of ways to answer that question. How is obviously easier. So what makes the reggae-influenced tracks different from the other pop tracks on the album are obviously the synthesized brass sounds on beats two and four. Bop, bop, bop. Up. It's just very constant, very simple too. There's also at certain points almost a dub sounding echo effect on the vocals, and it's not prevalent and it's not, I don't think, mixed so that it would be prevalent, but it is there if you listen very closely. And then you have this marimba sounding keyboard lick that mirrors the vocal melody in the chorus, and that is a very West Coast reggae thing. And It particularly reminded me of one of my favorite all-time bands, not relevant to the charts, but Revolution. Tanner, have you heard of these guys? I have. uh, Looking over my notes from last year, I did listen to their album from last year called Free Rain. I don't remember this particular song, but according to my notes, I rather liked the song Trapdoor. That's about the extent of my knowledge of them. I have all of the albums. And I'm going to play you guys just a little clip so you can compare to the Joe Bros sound. This song is called Safe and Sound. Revolution deserves to be on the charts, people. This is a PSA. Go listen to more reggae, please. It's excellent music. Okay, back to Only Human. So what makes this song successful right now? Why are the Jonas Brothers doing this style? And I think, again, there are kind of two ways to answer it. So for one, the boring answer, it's a comeback for the Jonas Brothers. Of course it's going to be popular. 
And the album overall is pretty light, pretty summery, very easy subject matter. It's enjoyable. But I think the more interesting and detailed answer to the question includes the fact that only human, or really any track on the album, doesn't feed into this nostalgic, let's say, year 3000-esque copycatting. They're not copycatting their past material. And the key point I would like you to take away here is that while they're not copycatting themselves, they are copycatting other hot artists of the 2010s. And I definitely do not mean for that to be a negative accusation. I just think that it's so listenable in other artists' voices. So just to give you kind of a brief overview of what I mean by that, I believe track from the Jonas Brothers album could easily be a Charlie Puth song. Used to be Post Malone. Love her, literally Justin Bieber's Love Yourself. Hesitate could easily be a Dean Lewis, Louis Capaldi type song. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And you listen to these songs and they're so middle of the road. And you're not going to turn it off when it comes on the radio or on your Spotify shuffle or whatever because it sounds like someone else you listen to. It just, it kind of bugged me a little bit, but I, I still like the song. I still like Only Human. It's catchy. It's good. So just to wrap up, I personally wish that the Jonas Brothers collaborated with a reggae a Jamaican producer on both of the tracks that you heard. Instead, they worked with some pop heads, uh, Shellback, so that's Carl Johan Schuster on Only Human, and then Greg Kirsten with Every Single Time. I think both of those men have worked with people like Taylor Swift and that caliber of pop star. And I think it could have been cooler if they went to the roots. That's my hot take. Tanner, what do you think about this one? While you might not want to make a negative accusation about their copycatting, I just want to let the record show that I did an episode that was just about that and their copycatting, <laughs> where I complained about their song Sucker and Cool, let's say very overtly copycatting songs by Portugal the Man and Her. Go back and listen to that. I'm still toying with the idea of uploading that mashup I made to YouTube. Stay tuned for <laughs> that. It. As for this song, Only Human... I think there's precisely one song on this album, Happiness Begins, that is actually any good, and it's this one. And it, it feels weird saying that because I find the Jonas Brothers really incredibly boring as singers. Caitlin, I know, I think you, you know the Jonas Brothers a little better than I do, right? I sure like pre reunion. Do you find them mm -hmm. compelling vocal presences at all? One of the things that have stuck with me throughout my childhood is in the song Burning Up. Joe kind of has the lead vocal thing. And he goes, high heels, red dress. And then Nick Jonas goes, red dress. And that's something that I still think about. I don't know if it's necessarily good, but it's def it sure is compelling if it's stuck with me for that long. And memorable. Okay, I might go and listen to that because none of the songs on this album seem to really have any discernible vocal personality to me. But like They're you were saying, clean, yeah. yeah, and I think it's a testament to how well written this song is. So credit to them. I think this song is so well written that it completely overcomes any sort of lack of vocal flair. Caitlin already did a really good job picking apart the production. And so I just kind of want to point out that I think one reason that the song works so well is that it does not overuse that marimba-esque hook. Because if you look at the verses, they have a second melodic figure 
that offers just a little bit of variety. It moves down into a lower vocal register. It's closing time, so leave with me again. So when that hook does return, it's not completely played out and completely something you're tired of. So it could be a lot worse if you want to go back into the early 2010s and think about pop reggae hits. Remember Rude by Magic? Oh my gosh. Wow. So it could be a lot worse. I am into the song, which I'm still kind of puzzled by since I, again, find the rest of the album pretty dull, but it's a good track. You know what else is a good track? Mad Love. Mabel. That's what we're going to talk about next. Mabel, if you have not heard of her, full name, Mabel, Alabama, Pearl McVeigh. Doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, but she is a 23-year-old English singer. We've seen her name pop up a few times in the history of this podcast. I don't know if we ever picked her songs to kind of dive deep into, but she's definitely charted in the past two, two and a half years. Mabel has the very good fortune of being born into an extremely musically gifted family. Tanner, should I just play a clip? I just want to say that I was so excited when I was looking at your notes and I saw a particular artist with a song that I'm very fond of and so I prompted us to play a clip of the song. That's right, everybody. Mabel is the daughter of Swedish singer Nena Cherry and Massive Attack's producer Cameron McVeigh. Wild. And not only that, but her grandfather, Don Cherry, is also a jazz legend. Tanner, what I would give to have a musically gifted family. Like, I have people that I'll, pl- I'll play something. I'll be like, yeah, I'm doing this cool music thing. You guys should come. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> could you imagine I, there's probably some pressure involved in that i don't know to kind of live up to your parents so maybe it's not all bad regardless the path to mabel's success is kind of interesting so i want to talk a little bit about that and play you guys a couple of clips in so doing so mabel paved kind of what seemed to be a very well thought out borderline cautious i would say path to fame over the past three years but Her chart history and vocal development in particular are really impressive, despite that kind of cautious, slow start to her career. So in 2015, she released this song. It's called Know Me Better. was Mabel's Know Me Better. Not great. It's got this almost Leona Lewis or Natasha Bedingfield vibe. The vocals are pretty weak. 
She's got a pretty thin voice in this, especially in the upper range. I don't think it's really mixed well, and no surprise, that one didn't chart. So two years roll by, and Mabel releases an EP titled Bedroom, and she tours with Harry Styles. She also must have gotten a voice coach and a better agent because she secured a bunch of really good features, including the one you're about to hear with Kojo Funds, that peaked at number eight on the UK official charts. This one's called Finders Keepers. Now here we are, in 2019, present day, and we're not seeing features on Mabel tracks anymore. Strategic? Possibly. So 2019 saw Mabel's highest appearance on the UK official charts. That was with her song Don't Call Me Up. It peaked at number three very early on in the year. And now we're listening to Mad Love, which is sitting pretty at number 18. Let's take a listen. You're looking like my type But tell me, can you hit it right? Cause if I let you in tonight You better put it da-da-down, da-da-down Now we do it all the talk I ain't playing anymore You heard me when I said before You better put it da-da-down, da-da-down Make me say You're the one I like, 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 like Come on, put your body on my, 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 my Keep it up all night, 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 night Don't let me down, da-da-down That one's got some more, I would say, Rita Ora or maybe even Little Mix vibes. And when I first heard it, I thought that what happened to One Direction with the split was happening to Little Mix. And I was like, oh my gosh, that would be so good. But no, alas, it's just Mabel. So after touring Mabel's sound over the past few years, it seems like she's really found a home with this pop kind of indie vibe that we love so much from female vocalists such as B.B. Rexa, Halsey, Dua Lipa, the list goes on. And one thing that jumped out at me in particular while listening to Mad Love was the very limited range of notes that Mabel sings in the song. So if you take that tour again and listen to the songs that I put in our playlist this week, you'll see that she's kind of pushing her voice into the upper range and it gets really thin. It's not that great of a sound. But when she keeps it kind of in that mid to lower range, it's solid. It's really good. So everything's in her mid-range with this one. And I honestly think it's one of the things that I like most about the song. It's very easy to sing along to. And it situates Mabel in this kind of wild world of clubby EDM pop that will probably be great for her because it just suits her vocal style. What else do we like about the song? I like the vocal layering. There's kind of this super low male-sounding vocorder under some of the vocals at some points, and I think that just adds kind of a nice texture. I like how cocky the lyrics are. It's basically like, uh, can you handle me? You sure, bro? 
okay, like, don't let me down. Good luck. It's definitely a mood. I really like that. And just the definition of a banger. I just super enjoy this song. If you liked this track, her full-length debut album is set for release on August 2nd of this year, and I will be totally honest and say that I'm not too excited about it, but I'm kind of more excited to see what direction she takes and to see if my instincts, we'll say, about her vocal style are correct. Tanner, any thoughts? I am almost into this. Like, half the pieces are there, it just doesn't quite come together for me. So on the positive front, I really enjoy the beat, the arrangement. I feel like it does a really smart job of straddling the electropop that you found in the early 2010s, and then the sparser style that's more in vogue nowadays. But where Mabel loses me is the chorus. The melody doesn't feel very distinct to me, it feels a little muddled. Maybe that's because, like you say, she's not going terribly high or low in her range. But as a result, the melody almost feels a little incomplete, which is a bummer because you have this really dynamic backing track, but there's just not enough of a hook to fully capitalize on it. So as with most Mabel tracks that I've heard, I'm kind of torn, but I'm still somewhat interested to hear what she does next. I feel like she's in this kind of really crucial period in terms of whether or not she will be able to make further inroads on the US chart. You had mentioned Don't Call Me Up, and earlier this year, that peaked at number 66 on the Hot 100, even got some traction on the radio charts. It managed to hit number 46 on the main radio songs chart. So got some traction, but didn't exactly blow up. I don't know if I entirely see Mad Love equaling or besting the performance state side of Don't Call Me Up. But at the very least, it sounds like she's very much primed for continued success in the UK. And if she winds up being a sort of Rita Ora figure or even a Paloma Faith figure in terms of huge in the UK, not much presence in the US, that's still a pretty good outcome. So we'll see. That's all I got for this week, guys. Tanner, take us into country land. I have been so excited about this segment ever since I decided what I wanted to talk about because we're going to talk about one song and one man that I find absolutely fascinating. We're going to talk about the latest example of country music blending with hip-hop. Not to toot our own horn or anything, but we did talk about Old Town Road back before it hit number one. No big deal. We did also talk about Jason Aldean's Dirt Road Anthem in the context of his career. And now it's time to talk about Blanco Brown. Who is Blanco Brown? Good question. He's from Atlanta, and he spent his adolescence listening to, true to the song as you'll hear, both country and hip-hop artists. Most interviews and sort of press coverage of Brown sort of boils that down to Brown's self-proclaimed love of both Johnny Cash and Outkast, but there are plenty of other examples. According to Brown himself, the very first song he ever knew as a child was Tim McGraw's very first country number one from back in 1994 called Don't Take the Girl. Take Tommy Thompson, take my best friend Bo, take anybody that you want as long as she don't go, take any boy in the world, daddy please don't take the girl. 
Blanco Brown's love of country extends into his professional career, where he was a key player on the early records of none other than Kane Brown. Brown worked with Brown. Yes, it's a weird construction there, but Kane Brown, Blanco Brown. They worked together on Kane Brown's first EP back in 2015, as well as a later single titled Last Minute Late Night. And as recent as this month, Blanco Brown appeared at the CMA Fest in Nashville. He performed multiple songs, including his Hot 100 debut, hitting this week, The Get Up. Unfortunately, despite my best efforts, I couldn't find any footage of those performances, but I did find a video clip, one single video clip. And it's of Blanco Brown singing the national anthem at the opening of what appeared to be some sort of a Radio Disney presentation at CMA Fest. And a quick audio note about this clip that we're going to listen to. The YouTube user who uploaded the footage left a music bed underneath. So if you hear any background interference uh, with this clip, that's what you're hearing. But uh, once again, this is Blanco Brown at the CMA Fest in Nashville earlier this year. So there's the country half. But what about the hip-hop half? Blanco Brown aided Childish Gambino with his 2014 track Telegraph Avenue from Gambino's Grammy-nominated album Because the Internet. And Blanco Brown contributed to Fergie's iconic but most definitely not Grammy-nominated 2017 track called Milf Money. can't express how much joy playing that on this podcast has brought me listeners might remember that there was an earlier episode titled fergie deserves better and i maintain that to this day but as for blanco brown in 2018 he was actually one of the co-writers and co-performers of the song goalie goalie which was featured at the fifa world cup held in moscow This sounds like a lot of background for just one song. There's a very specific reason for that. I think that songs that combine country and hip hop really frequently get sort of written off as jokey novelties that aren't worth taking seriously. And I'm hoping that this little survey of Blanco Brown's career demonstrates that he's definitely not a newcomer to either of these genres. And I think it's worth taking something like this seriously, even if its appearance on the charts this week is driven partially by another dance challenge you can go look up brown's video of how to do the get up if you're familiar with country line dancing it's very much of a piece with that particular style and before you ask no this is not a quick cash in on the success of old town road because brown signed with broken bow records a year ago and this song was already in the can 
Old Town Road's success only prompted an earlier release of the get-up. It did not prompt a release when there was not previously one. Or it did not prompt the creation of the song altogether. So, with all of that out of the way, let's engage with Blanco Brown on his own terms. Once again, debuting at number 66 this past week, this is the get-up. To the left, to the left now. To the right, to the right. Now take your left hand and put it on your side. Gonna roll your shoulders. Do the slip and slide. This next part's my favorite part of Cause it's time to shout. Gonna do the two step, then cowboy boogie. Grab a sweetheart and spin out with him. Do the hold down and get into it. Take it to the left now. As if my running commentary didn't give it away, I think this is really good. It's goofy, it's lighthearted, it's fun, but at the same time it's very obviously a song that Brown put a lot of thought into. And if you want to hear more about his songwriting process, if you actually go on YouTube, look up an interview he did with the Bobby Bones show, and Blanco Brown actually gives a bit of a, a sneak peek or a peek behind the curtain of his songwriting process, how he started with the pedal steel and then built up from there. As for the finished product, I think Brown's voice is just fantastic. Got those low notes that everyone who knows me knows I'm a sucker for. Especially with that drawl. It's marvelous. You got the ad-libs and the beatboxing that sort of ramp up the goofiness. It's endearing. You got the yodeling in there that's really precise and well done. And Brown's ear for a hook is super impressive. I talked earlier about the Jonas Brothers and how I appreciated the fact that there was a sort of supplemental hook alongside the main one. You get something similar here. There's that little wordless falsetto at the ends of the chorus that sort of counterbalances the earlier bass notes, so you get this nice range of notes. One last thing I'll note, check the difference between the first chorus and all the other choruses. On the first chorus, there is a lot less percussion present. And on the following choruses, Brown adds something that sounds similar to a ride cymbal. It's just one more example of Blanco Brown's attention to detail and his ability to make those details meaningful. And in this case, why does that ride cymbal matter? Because it's further nudging you off your feet and onto the dance floor. Caitlin, are you going to be learning this dance anytime soon? Well, I know that you won't, so I guess I probably should as half of this podcast. I mean, I wouldn't mind line dancing. So here's something that's been weighing on my soul a little bit, especially with the very, very recent Marshmallow Kane Brown collaboration that happened, like, of this recording. Ugh. I just, like, I'm waiting for it to end. It's almost like, I guess, those people that believe that the world's going to end, like, tomorrow or in at a certain year, and you're like, uh, please make it stop. Okay, 
I'm not as much of a fan of this song, obviously, so I'm going to kind of push against what Tanner said a little bit. Does it not feel lazy? No. I think it does in every single aspect. And mm, I I mean it kind of like half negatively. It's definitely the vibe that he's going for, but I just can't, I can't get behind it. And I don't know, I'll ask another rhetorical, but Tanner, you can answer this and you already partially have. But does it not feel like the only reason this is charting is because of Old Town Road and I would argue Thatiana? I, uh, like, if you don't have those precursors, I don't think you have the get up. The song is so long. I'm sure there's already a 10 hour loop of it on YouTube, but it just feels really long. I will actually agree. I think it's too long. I think there's one chorus too many. Yes. And that is what I was going to say as my critique is that if you're going in this vein, make it the two minutes that Old Town Road is or Tatiana is. Regardless, I do think Old Town Road kind of gets first place out of those three that we're talking about right now. I am going to say and cringe while I say it that this has been growing on me for the better part of a week because it's just so catchy. And I don't know, whenever I listen to it, what comes to mind are like stupid, smiley people just dancing and having a great time. And that partially infuriates me and then partially I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of nice. Good for them. So I appreciate Tanner's attention to detail with it because to my ears, there's not that much going on. And I will also say that there's a little bit of pitchiness on those low notes. And I know that that's something that you like. And it's kind of, it adds this little like flaw, this little discomfort. And it's cool. Yeah. But for me, I'm like, I'm just waiting for it to like hit the right pitch and it never does. And you're like, so this this puzzles me, I will say, and I hope that this is, has some kind of semblance of, a, of an opinion or an answer, but I'm going to wait and see how the Marshmallow Cane Brown does on the charts, and it'll be interesting, actually, to see what charts in the U.S. that it hits. I mean, I don't even know if it will go on the billboard. Will the, the country charts allow it? Who knows? Marshmallow used a pedal steel guitar in a drop. Go listen to this. It's kind of weird. I'll add it to the playlist. Tanner, I think that's all I have for this, for the get up. I'm still so confused by the Fatiana comparison, but maybe I'll just let let that one lie. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay, I'll speak on it if you insist. Defend yourself. So the Fatiana comparison for me, it's similarly kitschy in that it's kind of like a dance demand, right? The get up is describing and it's telling you how to dance. And in essence, bust down, Tatiana, bust down is telling somebody how to dance. It is also similarly catchy and repetitive. It uses a very limited amount of notes for, well, it is rapping, limited amount of notes. It just reminds me of kind of a kitschy dance song and those I guess Old Town Road is almost the outlier if you're looking at it that way. Is the get up the new electric slide? Oh, I mean, I hope so. I feel like that would be more fun at weddings than the electric slide. Or the new Cotton Eye Joe. I mean, you talk about thinking of oh, smiley yes, people dancing. This Cotton just makes Eye me think Joe. of awkward middle school dances. 
No, I, I can get behind that. Replace Cotton Eye Joe. The great unifier, Cotton Eye Joe. Who would have seen it coming? And with that, thank you so much for listening to Chart Chat. If you want to listen to all this past week's chart debuts, check out the Spotify playlist in the show notes. If you have any questions, feedback, corrections, you want to weigh in on the Get Up versus Thatiana versus Old Town Road rankathon for my money, Old Town Road's at the bottom, Get Up's at the top. Check us out on email at chartchatcast.gmail.com. Let us know. Or let us know on social media. Find us on Twitter and Instagram, chartchatcast. Tell your friends about us. Tell your grandparents about us. Teach them the Get Up. Blanco Brown has a video teaching you how, and you can be the go-between. It'll be great. Thanks to Coronation Media for a cover art and intro theme. Thanks to Teach.fm for having us on the network and tolerating our occasional tomfoolery. To learn more, visit Teach.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Thanks again for listening to Chart Chat. I'm Tanner Green. And I'm Caitlin Flay. And we will catch you next week.